Hey friends, and welcome to The Messy Table, which we like to say is an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. Well, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the tremendous honor of hosting you here at The Messy Table, a faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new story of hope every other Tuesday. And back with me today as my co-host is my sweet friend, Amy Groeschel. And guys, we are actually partnered with the women of our church, Life Church. But beyond that, we simply love locking arms with you, with people from all over the greater Capital C Church, with women who courageously peel back some layers on a messy piece of their life. It could be a good mess, it might be a hard mess, but we truly, truly believe that God is working in the mess. So you know how it is, we're all busy. We can get so caught up in our daily routines and work schedules and raising kids and just making life happen. But we exist because it is nice to intentionally slow down and remember what matters most. Fun story, I recently had a gal reach out to me who had just moved to the East Coast with her family, wasn't really able to meet new people because of the pandemic, was feeling pretty isolated at home with two young kids. But she prayed that God would bring some kind of mentorship into her life. She said that in a very unique way at a unique time in history, God met her right where she was through the women who share on this podcast. So wherever you have found yourself at this exact moment, Know that you are not alone. You have a God who loves you. You have a team of women who are cheering you on, and you are not here by accident. So today, get excited because Janet Brumley and Camille Boring are actually both here and happen to be a mother-daughter duo. And guys, I am just genuinely thrilled for you to hear from and learn from these two amazing women, not only because they have powerful stories to share, but also just because I know them up close and I adore them up close and they both carry such a real but powerful legacy of faith. Y'all, these are the women who would never brag on themselves, who might not be famous by worldly standards, but guys, they are faithful and timeless and have such wisdom to share. So Janet is older than me and Camille is younger than me, but they are wives and mothers and women of God who inspire me personally in so many ways, especially how they pour their hearts into their families and just show the love of God to everyone they meet. They practice what they preach. They are the very real deal. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at The Messy Table. Well, today we have not only one amazing guest, but two, and it happens to be a mother-daughter duo and some Mm. sweet friends. So Janet and Camille, I adore you both. Welcome to the messy table. Thank, Thank you. you. So glad you're here. Yes, we are glad. And, you know, Janet's been on our list for quite a while to be a guest. And then, Camille, you have been the added bonus of this idea of mother-daughter. Um, we're so excited. I think this is going to bless all of our listeners. So before we start, we want to hear just a little bit about who Janet and Camille are. Tell us some interesting facts and just the basics about your family Uh, so our listeners can know you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for letting us be here. I'm impressed with both of you so much. (laughs) Jen, using your gifts the way you have to just glorify God and bless Mm. people has been such a joy to watch. And Amy, I don't know anybody who runs the race as well as you. It seems to me like you just lay aside those hindrances and things that would keep you from following Jesus so that we can all follow you as you follow him. And you're both such a blessing to me. But my name is Janet Brumley. My husband is Ronnie, and he's the campus pastor at the Northwest location. And I not only love him after 34 Four years, I still like him, Yay. which is nice. <laughs> I just the world is better with him in it for me. And we have three beautiful daughters. Camille, my middle one, is sitting here with me, and I'll let yeah. her introduce herself. But my oldest, Mallory, is married to Aaron, and they live in Little Rock, and they uh, lead a ministry called Dwell there. And they have two sons, and my youngest is in L.A. Actually, Anna. my girls are my best friends as they have grown up. They've become my counselor and confidant, oh. and truly, 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 my best friends. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say about myself, my favorite thing is definitely God. And that morning time that I have just alone with him is the best part of every day. But I feel like, and I don't know who said this, maybe y'all will have heard this quote. I feel like I live an intentional, consistent lifestyle of average days. It's just Mm. the same every day, but he's the best part of it. Mm. And I like something Levi Lesko said. He said, little is much with God, Mm. but much is little without him. So Mm. that beginning with him that I try to carry that presence throughout the day, because honestly, I feel so un 
skilled and mm-hmm. untalented, but God is inside. And then that makes me change my perspective. Oh, I feel mm-hmm. like you are one so of the good. most faith-filled people I know that's just so encouraging and inspiring. So I think it is, it's that buildup of average days, but living it faithfully. So good. Well, I'm Camille and I am married to Garrett Boring. He is the youth pastor at Mansfield Life Church location. And he's not boring. No, he's not. He's far <laughs> he determined when he was young he would be the opposite of his namesake. So That's right. <laughs> and then I'm married into it. So there you go. We have a little boy who's about to turn four in a week, Nolan, and he is our little fiery redhead. In the three major years right now. So <laughs> we are buckling down right now. <laughs> Loving that. And then we have Elena who just turned one and is into everything. Mm-hmm. So we are constant these days, but loving life. Mm-hmm. And she has a little bit of red in her hair, kind of a strawberry, right? Her hair changes every day. Some days <laughs> it looks brown. Other days it's blonde. Lately, it's been more red. So yeah, we, we love it. <laughs> and they are the best kids. And she is just, it's so fun to watch her mother mm, them so sweet. beautifully. Yeah. She was made for it. She was made for it. And yes. yeah, that surprised well, us. <laughs> I have a good example. Oh. Uh, okay, so we want to hear from both of you individually and then also together, because obviously you've shared quite a bit of life. And so over the years, throughout many seasons of ministry, marriage, motherhood, when has your behind the scenes been messier than usual, but still you've gotten to experience God's mm-hmm. faithfulness? Well, for me, the messy time was really my journey through churches. So I was raised Presbyterian. I can't remember not loving Jesus. It was an early age that I asked him into my heart. But when I graduated college and moved back home and went to that Presbyterian church, I was just looking for some passion and people, you know, I'd see them cheering at football games, but nobody was really excited Mm -hmm. about God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I ended up moving to a church that was full gospel, word of faith type, charismatic, where people were jumping and joyful and dancing and doing all the crazy things. And (laughs) really loved that excitement for him. And that's where I met Ronnie. So we were five years there. That was in Amarillo, Texas. And then we ended up, he was a worship leader. We moved to Colorado when Camille was three months and my oldest was four. And we were there for 14 years. And those were to me just the golden years, you know, raising your littles and everything was wonderful. They were my ministry at that time, it felt like. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a good 14 years. Church was fun for the girls. It was actually their little social club. That's where Mm -hmm. their friends were. And Mm -hmm. because Ronnie was in worship, Uh, They were involved in his productions, and I couldn't sing or add in that way, but (laughs) one year he built a ski ramp, and I can ski, so during a Christmas cantata, I skied in the auditorium. I can ski. (laughs) I'd rather ski, I think. That's true. That's true. But that ended, and when that did, it was really the domino that just landed a row of events that brought me to the faith that I now enjoy with God because the senior pastor had to resign due to a moral failure. And, you know, honestly, I even thinking about this, didn't even want to mention that because everybody has their mess. And sure. um, honestly, mm-hmm. my messy part led to her best journey and mm-hmm. his messy part led to mine. So mm-hmm. he's, I'm sure, been restored. We pray for them. They I know pray for us and we only wish well for him. But after that, we stayed for four years and the interim pastor was delightful and the perfect fit as far as just bringing grace and peace and calm to that situation. But his leadership style wasn't one that Ronnie really was compatible with. And once he was asked to stay on as a senior pastor, we made a choice to move. And we went to Malvern, Arkansas, (laughs) which is a little bitty town. And Hmm. the girls had always been in a Christian school. And so it was really hard for me as a mom. There was a lot of mom guilt in some of these transitions to drop them off in this huge public school. Nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. And they would tell me they weren't completely sheltered in their Christian school. But (laughs) (laughs) for me, it felt like it was human. But at least they were hearing the same thing at home as they were at school. And so mm-hmm. so that was hard. There was a lot of guilt involved. And that role for me was difficult because, I, like I said, I don't sing. I don't play the piano. I didn't lead adult Sunday school classes. And there were a lot of self-imposed expectations that really probably weren't part of the congregation. But for me, it, mm-hmm. felt, it was hard. But the real clincher was we had some dear friends. They were our best friends there. We went to the lake with them on the weekends, shared holiday time with them, and she got leukemia. And they really co-pastored with us in this church. They were leading it before we got there, and they were partnering well with us. And in a few short months, she died. Well, coming from my Word of Faith background, Mm -hmm. that was like 
pulling the rug out from under me, yeah. mm-hmm. and it just crushed us. We were confused and questioning because like, they did were, we not have enough yeah, faith? Yeah, and mm-hmm. they did it the classic. They did everything like we had been told was mm-hmm. right, and nothing yes. bad about the churches we were at. But the filter I was getting um, caused me to just to need to reflect again. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ronnie said one day, you know, I feel like I'm just going to church and getting a paycheck. I just don't feel like there's mm-hmm. a call there, and so that led us to um, he with his twin brother was a truck broker at the time. We backed away from the church, Ronnie started doing truck brokering. Mm -hmm. And I'll be real honest, because of my word of faith background, prosperity to me was part of the covenant. And Mm -hmm. we tithed, we gave, we just thought God was (laughs) going to take care of the rest. I wasn't hearing consider the ant, thou sluggard, you know, yeah. look at their ways and be wise. We weren't listening to all of the Bible. Yeah. And so he was making a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I've got three girls, three weddings, three colleges to, to mm. provide for. This is a good plan. So we <laughs> did that for a while. And that was 2008. And the recession hit. Not only were we mm. not making lots of money, we were pulling money from wherever we could retirement, every savings just yeah. to pay bills and cover our mortgage. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't continue that mm-hmm. had to sell our house, move in with my mother for two years, which She's, She's the most the gracious, <laughs> wonderful woman ever. Mm-hmm. But that was hard. That wasn't the sure. plan. Right. Yeah. In your 50s, you don't want to be dependent. I was teaching at a preschool and then retail at night. Ronnie was still trying to make a go of the trucking business, driving mm-hmm. on Monday to Plainview. It was a five-hour drive. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Mallory had graduated in Colorado. Camille had graduated in Arkansas. Anna needed one more year. She didn't mm-hmm. want to go to a Texas public school, so she got in the car with her dad and through connections from my brother-in-law, went to a charter school for pregnant, unwed students. She even shared recently, I didn't know this, she got but called. But she wasn't and she's pregnant, pregnant and unwed. Wow. <laughs> just to clarify. Oh, interesting. Yes. She was yeah. like, what yeah. did I miss here? Yeah. 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 yeah, she was just on a fast track to get yeah. that degree. And she was the one, again, with the mom guilt, she was the one who was focused on graduation and cared about proms and ceremony and tossing the hat and was being excellent in her work to mm-hmm. do the best. And so here she is having to do that. And she was called out one day by the drug police and with their dogs because she had smelled, her uncle had been smoking around her and they sniffed her out. So it was kind of a humiliating time for her. And so I felt bad for that. But then Ronnie didn't stay with the trekking. He ended up working at Walmart. We were all working two jobs trying to make, make a go of it. And we ended up in Oklahoma because his younger brother invited his mom to be a consultant at his engineering factory. And that's when we found Life Church. We had learned in Arkansas about Life Church because of the free resources. Yeah. I was the secretary of the church oh. and I kept saying, I don't have to pay for this. I'm just mm-hmm. I just download this and give it. And it was so anyways, <laughs> that's where we first heard of Life Church. But coming from our background, we, you know, in the Tulsa area, there's every word of faith ministry you can name. So we mm-hmm. tried all of them. Multiple weekends, we would go to three or four different ones. And then when we hit Life Church, we knew we were home. And, you know, it, again, it was a generosity. When you say that bucket mm-hmm. goes by, mm-hmm. you can take money out of it. We just looked at each other and thought, are mm-hmm. you kidding? Mm-hmm. Did you guys start at BA or at one of the we other? We started at Midtown. At Midtown. Midtown. And then, mm-hmm. then when BA opened, that's okay. where we lived. That's so. when I met you. Absolutely, yeah, which was oh, yes. the best. So fun. <laughs> yes. So, Janet, when you are going through these jobs and multiple jobs, and, and Ronnie had said, hey, this ministry thing, you know, let's walk away from it because it just seems like a job now, not a calling. Uh, And you're in the middle of the different secular jobs. Where was your mind? Were you saying, oh, my gosh, we missed it. We should have stayed at the church. How much second guessing was going on? For me, none, because I really believe we carry our calling wherever we go. And so it didn't affect me that he wasn't in full time ministry for him. He was still doing his calling. He was praying for people over the phone when Mm -hmm. he was trying to get them trucks in Walmart. He was Mm -hmm. praying for customers and other employees. So he did carry it with him. So it wasn't like I had this anxiety to get back in church. For him, he kind of did and thought at the age of 50, how is that ever going to even happen? No one's going to do that. But thank God. But with so many jobs, did you feel unsettled? Yes, definitely Mm -hmm. unsettled, uncertain for the future. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So you ended up at Live Church. Right. Yes. And he's living his dream always. Uh, and all of the years that we were in a church, this is the position for him because he wanted to be part of something big, not the main guy. He knew he wasn't called to be that, but he wanted to link arms with someone who is that's mm-hmm. doing a, a great work. Mm-hmm. And so but yes. people see you and they just would never know that you've gone through all these kind of roller coaster times. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I want to um, ask you about this mom guilt that you kept mentioning because that is a real thing mm-hmm. that 
any mom can identify with. Um, it's not of God. God's not mm-hmm. guilt tripping us. But you've had it and I've had it. Mm-hmm. Every girlfriend I know has experienced it. They might still be living in right. it. And I literally this morning in my plans with friends Bible plan, there was a friend of mine talking about mom guilt. So it's a very real topic. Now that your girls are grown, do you still look back and have mom guilt, regret, or what revelations have you, you know, Mm -hmm. come to regarding that? Mm -hmm. I can still with Anna just because she seems unsettled, but Mallory met her husband, has two gorgeous boys, is serving God with all her heart. Camille, same, in Texas met Garrett, and they're, honestly, that was her path to God at that time. And so I realized that even in my making mistakes, I'm not even knowing what's a mistake or what's not, but in the decisions that we felt like we were to make mm-hmm. um, that might have just been hard for the girls, it ended up God has a way of just mm-hmm. bringing in his good. And he knows the plan. He's mm-hmm. he's overlooking all of it. So, mm-hmm. no. And I would say to moms now, lots of mom guilt with this pandemic. They feel like they're not doing it all right. And you're not you're never going to be perfect. God mm-hmm. is, though. Mm-hmm. And so he steps into those spaces. And even if school is feeling like you're juggling or you're not doing well, just spending time with those kids at home is huge and way more important than an education in the long run. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. God knows mm-hmm. and we don't. Right. Now, looking back, I guess I sometimes feel like, God, this is my one shot. I want to get it right. Do you see a lot more grace Absolutely. in the rearview mirror? Absolutely. And I hope I carry that with me from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. knowing we don't always see it, but he's doing something. Right. And we can trust him. Mm-hmm. All right, Camille. So two little babies at home. Yeah. Which you might want to share something else other than that. But that's we'd love about, to hear from you. That's what I do. <laughs> Stay home. With, is that your mess? <laughs> yeah. Nolan, just fun story. He's in the teenager, like I said earlier, and likes to give us attitude lately. <laughs> and his new thing, if he's upset, is like, that's it. I'm going to my room or, you know, whatever it is. And we're like, okay, fine. So we were at Target one time and he asked the cash register lady, oh, can I have a sticker? And she's like looking and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't find one. And he yells, that's it. I'm never coming to Target again. No, he didn't. Yells it. I I love him. I'm like. Oh my word! I was like, I am so sorry. <laughs> so yeah, we're so we're good. having lots of fun right now with parenting. <laughs> yeah. So for me, my messy at this point has been about a year after I had Nolan, I got postpartum depression. Mm. Which you know, when you go into the doctor at like your six week appointment, for those of us who've had babies, they give you like a little sketch with all these smiley faces, and it's like circle where you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like newborn, first child. I feel good. I'm happy. It's great. I didn't know postpartum depression can set in so late. Mm-hmm. So he was over a year old mm-hmm. um, when it hit me, and at the time didn't realize that's what it was. So I just had bouts of like I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was just so like irritable and unhappy. And there were so many days I'm like, I just don't want to do anything. And I would be like snapping at Garrett all the time. And he's like, what's going on? What did I do? And I'm like, I don't know. And it almost felt very like I was bipolar because it was like Mm -hmm. one minute I'm like so mad at him and I can't figure out why. And then the next I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I just did that. I don't know why I yelled at you. And it went on for a few months. And so as you can imagine, after a few months of that, there was some tension between us and because mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. He was trying to help. And I was like, I don't want your help. Like, you know, now that we've talked about it, he was like, there were so many days I was like, oh, my gosh, my wife doesn't love me anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm over here like, what is wrong with me? I don't know what's happening. And so finally, after about three months of that, we kind of hit this moment where we were like, this isn't working. Like, we're miserable. We barely talk. We're unhappy. We can't figure out what's going on. We're not communicating. And so he said, I think we should meet with some friends, actually, Charlie and Tina Letourneau. Wow. And so we called them over one day. We put Nolan down for a nap and we were like, here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. We don't really know what it is, but we've just got some issues we need to work through. And so they, um, you know, encouraged us to maybe get a counselor. And so we went through counseling for about six weeks and just got tools on how to better communicate. And just through that, I kind of realized like, oh, I have been off the last few months. Mm -hmm. And then through talking, realized this was most likely postpartum depression. Because I can remember one day where it all kind of snapped was Garrett was at church, Nolan was sleeping, and I was in the bedroom. And I just was like, God, what am I doing here? Why am Mm -hmm. I here? And I remember just, sorry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I remember just laying on the ground and just screaming out, 
God, where are you? Mm -hmm. Because I just felt so like confused and lost and Mm -hmm. what am I doing here? And I knew there was tension with Garrett. And so I remember calling Garrett and being like, I'm not okay. And Mm -hmm. he came home from work. Sorry. Mm -hmm. He came home from work and that's when he was like, yeah, we, you know, we got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, we went to counseling through six weeks and I feel like just through that, we both were able to see what had happened and even, I think, prepared me for after Elena. Now I'm like, okay, if I ever get those feelings, I know immediately to just tell mm-hmm. Garrett, like, hey, today mm-hmm. I'm just feeling really off and weird and to be more open about mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel like just through postpartum depression and then counseling because of it, we just have such a stronger marriage now that we mm-hmm. probably wouldn't you know, mm-hmm. not that we didn't have a strong marriage beforehand, but we had so many tools that came out of counseling yeah. and mm-hmm. being that raw with each other of like, okay, we're at a point in our marriage where it's like, there's two ways to go here, but we can't go down the same road. Mm-hmm. So we either get help or we go another way that we swore we would never talk about or do. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, through that, I just think it strengthened us and strengthened our family and prepared us for things that are coming our way mm-hmm. of like moves. You know, mm-hmm. we made a couple of moves and I don't know that moving would have been as easy oh, had we not been able to go through that and get to know and look for. Now we have clues that we can look for in each other of like, right. oh, okay, something's off there. I know I need to talk to you about this or mm-hmm. that. Well, the awareness piece is so big because I remember you reaching out to me kind of and you hadn't, I guess, self-diagnosed at that point. It was just like, something's wrong. I'm off, but I know I need to talk to someone. I need to tell someone like I'm not okay. And I remember Mm -hmm. bringing you coffee and you just kind of crying like, I don't know what's wrong. And you kept saying, I just feel like I'm in a funk. I'm Mm -hmm. not myself. It definitely wasn't registering like postpartum. Right. Mm -hmm. Were you, how long did you breastfeed? Um, 10 months. Because it makes you wonder, like, hormonal changes. Yeah. So it was about two done. months later. So I never was actually professionally diagnosed. Right. I just kind of put that together myself after talking and mm-hmm. doing some research. I found you can actually experience postpartum depression up to three years after having kids. Wow. wow. And I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And so right. it's like you just don't look out for that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. When your life had changed, you guys had already moved. Yes. Um, it was winter. You were kind of hunkered down. Yes. We always apartment. talk about the winter blues. Mm-hmm. And it yes. was, it was right wow. around January, February where you can't go out. I have a new baby. We had just moved campuses. Mm-hmm. So we had been at South Broken Arrow for two and a half years, three mm-hmm. years and moved to Owasso. And it was a lateral move, which isn't always common. So he went from youth pastor to youth pastor. Right. Because there was a need there. Yes. And we immediately knew we needed to fill that need. But unaware of the depression that was going Mm -hmm. on, I Mm -hmm. didn't realize how much that would affect us or affect me. Suddenly with the community that you had had over the past multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. All those multiplying factors. I am so glad that you are sharing the details of this because I was not aware that you could experience it that far in. And then I'm like, oh, I've got daughters that are having babies and they need to be aware of that. And everybody needs to be aware of that because the awareness, the knowledge, and then to, you know, what was so key in your story is then you acknowledge, you have to acknowledge something's not right. Mm -hmm. And to say I'm not okay is so right. It's so important yes, to acknowledge. So <laughs> and then so many to people commu- don't get to that point. Yes. And then to be able to communicate that with the people closest to you and for you, your husband and, and your friends and bringing someone in. I mean, you guys did some really key things. And praise God that your husband had that wisdom and, the, yes. and not just wall up and back away and freak out. But he's leaned in and said, let's get some help. Yes. And then get the counseling. So this is such like take notes guys because this is really good stuff and then you know the communication that had to continue so we can keep learning for just a minute did you just one day snap out of it or was it a gradual getting out so I believe honestly the day I literally just cried out to God because I was like I literally was like God help me and it was I I won't say I just snapped out of it we still had a few weeks even maybe a month after that Mm -hmm. I'm just like okay, things are still weird, but at least we were both aware and he Mm -hmm. knew like, okay, don't completely overwhelm her with like all the questions, but also don't just leave. Like Uh. you have to be there, but not be there. (laughs) You're welcome, guys. We're crazy. I need you to read my mind. (laughs) Can you just? So I won't say it was immediate, um, but through talking to people, it just helped to be aware of it. It helped both Mm -hmm. of us to be aware of it. And over time, we were able to work through that. Yeah. 
another of those get it into the light. Yes. yes. So you can give it so much power to defeat it. And now, it. again, like I said, now we were both, after I had Elena, we both were like, okay, we now know if there's ever weird feelings, you just immediately say so. And that doesn't mean, because, you know, depression's a brain chemical, hormonal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a lot decision. of outside factors, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. You don't just say, like, okay, I'm not depressed today. Right. But just to be aware that, okay, I remember what it felt like, and I remember that I just need to say and mm-hmm. there have been days I would just say, you know what? I'm just kind of in a funk today. Mm-hmm. And so Garrett would kind of pick up a little around the house and do little things to just help. Because if they don't know, if you don't talk to people, no one knows to help you. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It takes humility. Yeah. It does. It was not easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I will say that's so not you because right. of the girls when we moved, you were always the bouncy ball. Mm-hmm. Wherever we landed, mm-hmm. she just kept on bouncing. So strong always. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're not yourself. <laughs> kind of there for other people is really her personality. Like yeah. just yeah. kind of the stable, strong one. Yeah. So. And that's why it was not easy to admit something right? was wrong. So that's why it went on for three months. So yeah. Always admit there's something wrong. And I think for yeah. someone listening, if you're dealing with this, whether you've just had a baby or you have a toddler or maybe you have no kids, but you're still experiencing. I think don't be afraid to reach out to the people that you love and don't be afraid to seek professional help or even medication if needed. Like we are not saying that's not helpful because it can be in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And Janet, were you, um, how, how involved were you during this time? She was very private. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard about it way later, yeah. it feels like. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. even surprised. I think after our counseling, yeah. we had yes. we were in the car I knew one you day. Were in and I was I didn't like, even know yeah, why. You know, yeah. we're yeah. in counseling, and I am a private person. So, again, mm-hmm. that's But why you it couldn't really so label it either. I didn't know at the yeah. moment. Until it was. I, it was probably a year later when I was like, you know what? Because mm-hmm. I was doing research and found all that. And I was like, wow, I bet that's what it was. Because mm-hmm. it did eventually kind of like, you know, it wasn't a depression that was constantly with me. Mm-hmm. It came after baby mm-hmm. and then kind of just trickled out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So also you two together, Camille, I know you were kind of a pistol as a what? <laughs> child or teenager? teenager? My mom will, she's going to sit here and be like, she was an angel. But you ask <laughs> anyone in our family or friends of our family during my teenage years and they'd be like, no, she was terrible. I've heard you tell the stories oh. and you're like, I was awful. I would just yell, I, I hate you. I was just so mean. I really was so mean. And now having a daughter, I'm like, God, please never let her treat me that way. But you got through it. <laughs> I See? did. We got through it. Oh, and yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, she was a, a pickle <laughs> in junior high. Um, but yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't notice it after we made the next move, after we got out of Colorado. And she had to leave really dear friends that are still her friends today. But it was a good move because things got better. Yes. When she was going through this, did you take it personally or were oh, you like, for sure. it's just it a was, It was personal. <laughs> oh, it yeah. was totally addressed towards me, it felt like. Uh-huh. Um, but here, like, here's her rebellion in high school. <laughs> she wanted to sneak out. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't the hovering mother that you have to come check in on me when you get in. Yeah. I, I just said, here's your time, be in and trusted it. But she snuck out and to be sneaky, she went through the doggy door. And I thought, uh, what? <laughs> I wanted to feel like a rebel, but she wouldn't give me the chance. Oh, so I would tell my friends to meet me at the corner of the street and I would crawl through the doggy and I, door. I said, why, oh, wow. why didn't you just not go out the door? And she goes, why? I wanted to feel that's like a rebel. It's it's not sneakier. Sneaky. <laughs> so that's her rebel. Well, I street. was just, I was mean and disrespectful. In and, junior high, it's yeah. true. I was, I would ignore her if she was like with me and my friends. And we went on a trip to New York with our school, our like a spring break educational trip, coolest trip ever. And I was just literally would ignore her the whole time as she'd walk up to us, I'd walk away. Just so mean. And she was so full of grace. That's looking back. That's what I see is like. Mm And I do, God, please give me like an eighth of the grace you gave my mom because she was constantly, I would apologize for what? You're just the best. Like that's what she would say. We have a journal. We would write back and forth to each other and I will go read those entries. I'm always, I'm so sorry I said this. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry I acted this way. Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just the best daughter ever. And so full of grace and forgiveness. That's what I can remember. Wow. Looking back at it is like, Wow. Such oh. a good example of God's love for us. That's amazing. I, I'm excited to hear that um, coming out of my chair. <laughs> well, Katie, my oldest daughter and I, we shared a journal because she was really good at expressing herself in writing. So we did that together. But this is 
I could cry. This is just a beautiful thing what you're sharing because like earlier, Janet, you talked about mom guilt and then you're saying, yes, but I took that personally. But then back towards her, you just showed grace. And Mm -hmm. some people, they tend to fear that if they show grace, if they show love, if they show acceptance while their child is acting out, that that is um, going to just pour some gas on the fire of condoning and approving, but I've tended to lean on the grace side because I feel like when a child is, you know, especially in their teens and all the hormones and everything. And their brain hasn't developed. And their brain, you know, yes, (laughs) a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. Real thing. That when they are, you know, yelling and hateful and doing all these ugly, disrespectful things, they internally are hating themselves Mm -hmm. while they're doing it, like simultaneously Mm -hmm. going, I am just horrible. And that's what I would see in some of my kids that would do that. So I knew the Holy Spirit, I think, just helps us to like know that right now they don't need us to yell at them back and chew them out and say, you're grounded forever, you disrespectful little brat. You know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you show them grace because they're going to be their hardest critic and they need it. Yeah. And, no one and, else and, is cheering for them. Right. Yes. And anyway, so... I mean, I just know that what good would it be for us to come raging back at them? You know, that's just going to separate that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, listen, moms, like some of your kids are going to act this way. (laughs) They may act worse than this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And coming from just my own personal experience and hearing what Janet's response was, I'm a huge, hugely in favor of this approach of grace. Mm -hmm. And not that there can't and shouldn't be consequences because absolutely we've had to give them what we do it, you know, it's the grace and truth with so much love. And still at the same time that we're saying you have to be grounded for a month or whatever, mm-hmm. you're at the same time going, I'm still crazy about you. You have to affirm them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking no, because that's so good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, now moms have a superpower of love for their kids and to lean into it. We're made in God's image. He loves us regardless. That's in us. Right. But out of that great love and fear that our kids might really go down a dangerous path, well, we might take react a reaction out of love, but that love has so much fear in it that it turns into mm-hmm. yes a lot of anger and a lot of extreme legalism yes. and things that just turn yeah. the kids running the other way. Yeah. But practically, because I know balance is a myth, but how do yeah. you find that like, okay, you do need a consequence for this decision, but I still love oh, you. Oh, she knew there were consequences. <laughs> Did I you get consequences? They were hard. I've written on it for months, grounded, grounded, well, grounded. I, grounded. I, I, every okay. week and for like two months, grounded. But you knew she loved you like crazy. <laughs> right. Well, and I remember this one once. Be careful what you say, because Ronnie said, she, you weren't making your bed. And that was one of our things. You have to make your bed before you go to school. He said, if you don't make that bed, I'm going to come and get you out of school and bring you back home. Well, sure enough. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> school was my, like, social world. Like, Don't oh, you like, take me out of school. <laughs> yeah, and he school. showed up one day and he said, you didn't make your bed this That's morning. That's hysterical. Like, oh. Took me home, made the bed, which I love what you said. Careful what you say, because there are times exactly. with my kids, even mm. at a young age, where I'm like, if you do this, I'm going to do that. And I'm guessing that was more of kind of a rebellion thing and not just a legalistic. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. I will not make my bed. I will take the doggy door surely you're not going to take me out of class. No, he did. (laughs) So to the women listening right now, to the moms who are like, oh, my goodness, I'm here. Like, How would you encourage them? Oh, be encouraged. God sees who they're going to be, and he's Mm -hmm. working in the mess. He's he's seeing and doing things that we don't see. And honestly— she came out of that actually because we were in church. That was her thing. That was her social life. Mm-hmm. That was a happy place. And so when we went to Texas, that was her default mode. I don't know anywhere else to go but church. And mm-hmm. that's where she found community, met Garrett, and really found God. I don't know. Her life before then wasn't so empowered by God mm-hmm. or impressed with God. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, I'm getting these texts about her devotions and her time with God and how in love she is with Him. So that's good. church is huge yes. and key to um, the development of your That's children. Good. Even if the motivation home. is social at first, it's like they learn. Absolutely. They're still listening to what they're hearing, even That's if right. they're there to play with friends. It's like That's when right. you're potty training, you find the motivation, whether it's like a certain oh, yeah. underwear, if it's M&Ms or whatever. <laughs> and at church, you know, maybe at first they don't care about hearing about God, right. but they want to see their friends. But uh-huh. then eventually yeah. it is. It'll seep in. Yep. 
So Janet, as a mom, you had talked about just the journey in your faith and at church and these these different types of churches and then coming to Life Church. So how did your faith impact your parenting and your and just your life and your marriage and the beliefs that you had? Mm. Well, how did that um, change? I have way too much because everything <laughs> changed for me. I mean, my whole perspective of God was unraveled. Just honestly, the path that God had me on had to take place for me to to know him the way I know him now, because what I found out is he's just sovereign in the chaos. Mm. And I think when we start to um, strip God of his attributes, whatever they are, justice mm. or mercy or sovereignty, then we might as well get some wood and stone and make our own idol. And that's what I had for God on a pedestal of being someone who I needed him to be what I needed him to be. And I wasn't letting him be God and in control of the situation and trusting him that life is good if we'll just look for it. So mm-hmm. one of the things I learned in Texas was just that gratitude. I started a gratitude journal mm-hmm. and I became aware, like for us to be, we worked at that little preschool, Anna, Camille, and I. Camille was my aide in one room and mm-hmm. our room joined with Anna. Mm-hmm. What a gift. I mean, how yeah. Three positions just open up for these Brumley girls to be right next door to each other every day. So God was moving all the time. And so just realizing that and understanding that that's part of the journey. We seem to idolize or make the goal be the finished product. Well, no, God Mm. is in the middle of it. Uh, We need to hear that. I need to hear that. He's in the intimate part, linking arms with you, growing you up. And I think that it was John Mark Comer who said this, God monitors the flow of our pain and trouble and that for every trial, there's a corresponding joy. And Mm, I've just recently experienced that. I lost my mother. Mm. And that morning, Amy, on your Instagram post, and I am not a social media person. I have Instagram to see my grandkids. Mm -hmm. And your post was uh, John 11, 25. I'm the resurrection and the life. Mm, The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And so I had that all day before she even passed just to cling to. And you're just following God and I'm clinging to what you threw out. And then I, I think I also learned just to process the Psalms with God, just process our emotions like the Psalms do with God, allow Him in our experience. We have experiences all the time. We are in a crazy world, but those experiences are meant to be lived with Him. He wants to do something in them. And Mm -hmm. so if He's allowing something, there's purpose to it. He has a reason behind anything that we're going through, and we can trust that. We can trust Mm -hmm. that He's doing something good. Um, So another precious, just to say about my mother real quick. So in September, she told my sister, um, I just know it's soon. I'm going to take my last breath. Mm. And so that gave me opportunity to go immediately and stay for a while, go again in October with my brother and see her. And then in November, I think it was in a Monday, um, Cindy could tell, my sister could tell she just was struggling. And so she went ahead and called hospice, but we're thinking it could be two years, you know, hospice Mm -hmm. can be called in. Well, Tuesday, all the girls got to FaceTime her. I got to talk to her. She's a coherent and she's 92 and she's a story in and of herself. But anyway, she, <laughs> she's precious. Um, so and, and she had said to me earlier, I don't know how to do this. I know it's coming and I don't know how to do it. All I do mm. is keep asking Jesus to hold my hand. Oh, and so oh, the verse that God I don't gave know me, how to do this. Like, I don't know how to. I don't know how to go from this life to the next. So I just keep asking him to hold my hand. And and so the verse in Psalm 73 was such a comfort. It says, yes, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. So I know that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And yet we all got to say the things we needed to say. Mm -hmm. And then she just, the next morning, she didn't wake up. So it was a beautiful home going. Um, But I believe that having gone through what I went through and learning how to bring God into my life, mm-hmm. it, it even made that easier. Mm-hmm. Um, because Praise 92, God. obviously, we knew we didn't have her much longer, yeah. but you never mm-hmm. want to say goodbye. And you never, Anna right. wants, wanted her to see her husband. Of you know, course. there's always yes. the things yes. this side of heaven that we will miss. There's going to be an emptiness, but yeah, God feels it. Mm-hmm. When you think about your mom and Camille, your grandmother, like, what do you feel like the legacy is that she left behind? Wow. I would love her strength. I would love her selflessness. I don't know anyone more selfless than my mother. She like took live life to the fullest to the meaning of yes. it. And oh. I think yeah. inspired all of us to not be afraid. I mean, I think a lot of Anna, my younger sister moving, I mean, she literally packed up her car, a little Altima, drove 24 hours to LA where she didn't have a job and she knew no one mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pursued a dream God put on her heart. And mm-hmm. 
I think she says a lot of time grandmother grandmother (laughs) inspired me because she was one of those that said, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. And you're not going to. She rode horses standing on one foot on one and one foot on the other. There was nothing she couldn't do. You couldn't tell her not to do it. Yes. (laughs) You tell her no. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. Sounds like we need an episode for your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have Beautiful. lots of stories there. Every time we're together, we're like, Grandmother, tell us another story. <laughs> so what about you, Camille? What are some things that you've learned in addition to what you've already shared? Yes, I think, uh, and we said this, but most important, first, I think just crying out to God. Because, you know, I went months without saying anything. My, my quiet time wasn't what it used to be. My spiritual walk wasn't until I finally was just like, okay, God where are you? And I need you. And I think crying out to God and just don't be ashamed. Cause like you said, it may not even be postpartum depression, but so we just had the craziest year. A lot of us have ever experienced in our lives. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people probably went through depression. A lot of moms out there and Mm -hmm. women out there who are listening to this, maybe we're not realizing what you were feeling. And Mm -hmm. so don't be ashamed to talk someone, cry out to God and just don't give up on yourself. You know, mm-hmm. just be encouraged by the word. I turn to memorizing scripture and I do a lot of like she reads truth Bible studies yeah. and mm-hmm. just I intensified my quiet time and my time with God Ooh, I like that. because I realized like I need him. I mm-hmm. can't lean on Garrett because as the few months of that depression, he has no idea how to deal right. with that. Mm-hmm. But God does. Well, yes. he can do all the things, but it's. Right. You can clean the house yeah. and bring me flowers, but it's a totally different yeah. feeling mm-hmm. and then emptiness without God by your side. Mm-hmm. One of my verses during that was 2 Corinthians 4.18. We don't focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And just through that, I just kept focusing on the eternal mm-hmm. and not the day-to-day mom shaming or wife, like, you know, you can feel guilty as a wife even. I didn't get the dishes done. I didn't get a good dinner cooked. I didn't do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? And just like, God doesn't care about that. He doesn't Mm -hmm. care about the little things like that. Did Mm -hmm. I teach Nolan that I love him and God loves him? Mm -hmm. Did I love my husband and share Christ with others? Like, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. And so don't focus on the day-to-day tasks. Do they need to get done? Yeah. Do you need mm-hmm. to feed your children? Yes. <laughs> but if it's macaroni and cheese one night, who cares Great. if your children felt loved that day? Yeah. Kids I love mac good. and cheese. <laughs> I love mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Are you saying that it's okay to not have the Pinterest looking life right. all the time? <laughs> I've learned it is. <laughs> yes. And who really has that? Let's be honest. Not a lot of people truly do. Right. You can post and I do it too. I post the pictures right. of our fanciest dinners we've made or the cool breakfast I made because it's fun. But just always remember, that's not yeah. real reality for right. most people. I was right. talking to someone the other day about how even when you're not trying to have a highlight reel, you know, Instagram or whatever, you don't you think do. when your child is throwing a tantrum. I mean, sometimes I would like take a picture of them. But typically you think, oh, you know, we're dressed and yeah. headed out the door. We're with friends. And that's when you take the picture. Right. So. And yeah. not that you need to air your kids' bad behavior everywhere, but exactly. yeah. always remember. I actually remember it's you there. told me you took a video of Hallie throwing a fit one time. And then when she had come down, you showed it to her. Yes, So ma'am. she could see. And I've done that to Nolan before. That's I just good. sat there filming him. <laughs> the whole time I let him just throw his little fit. And then once he had calmed down, I said, do you want to see what you just looked like and how you just acted over something so small? Like we're working on breathing techniques with him. <laughs> or like, take a deep breath. Yeah. Down. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's some of the best advice I can give. And we still do it occasionally. I did it with Jack not too long ago. Wow. And he was so, he was like, mom, I'm sorry. I yeah. acted terrible. I'm embarrassed. Well, he actually said, I'm embarrassed. Well, and I was all like, that way. Ooh, yes. I can look back on things that I didn't think I was that bad. Like my teenage years. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that was terrible. Yeah. You don't yes. realize it until you're either done with it or you've seen it. And, and then now like, you're the one who's just most like me. I mean, I and you're just so precious with Nolan and you're teaching sweet. him verses. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I was like, when I'm a mom, we're going to do this. <laughs> and we're going to have Cheetos in our house. We never had like, just junk like junk food. food snacks. And now I'm like, you can't have Cheetos. Oh, you're yeah. crazy. Yeah. You are, yeah. You're kind of a health nut. We're, there yeah. are days that I'm not, but a lot of times I'm just like my mom. I'm like, no, I'm not buying Coke for the and house. You're crazy. <laughs> and you know, when you do the animal testing, I'm a beaver, stay at home, build my dam, yeah. love, love my family. She was always an otter, just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if you have all beavers for children? And she said, well, I'm dropping them off at your house. <laughs> she could not be more of a homebody, more yeah. of a loving her life at home with her kids. 
does it kind of make you just secretly like, oh, it's surprised and delighted all the time and in awe of God for sure. That is for sure. I I love this idea of videoing the child's bad behavior. And maybe even I need to get myself videoed for that. (laughs) (laughs) But we need to be respectful. Make sure nobody puts those on their social media. That would be horrifying. We actually delete them afterwards. It is a race. We've forgiven you. We forgot. We've moved on. But it's self-awareness. This is what it is. Yes. That's so good. So good. Well, I love what you said, uh, Janet, that God is sovereign in the chaos. Preach. And he's always moving in our journeys. He's always at work in it. And what a journey life is. So mom's. Daughters, children, (laughs) people, we can be encouraged. We can be encouraged. Mm. Have grace for yourself. Have grace for others. You know, Janet, one of the reasons I've been really excited to have you as a a guest for so long is, and it's funny because you offered to us that you aren't quite skilled and gifted in any particular way, but... (laughs) I mean, we're all rolling our eyes. I know. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. And, but I think a lot of people probably identify with that. I, I know that I do. You know, where I go, well, there's nothing in particular that I'm just so super spectacular at. But I think that what we've witnessed in in what I know about you and and your family and Camille and is that you're. You're also deeply rooted. Mm-hmm. You know the Lord, you love him, and you keep pursuing him. Mm-hmm. And so I just knew like the richness of your walk, the fruit of your walk is what we wanted the listeners to hear and be encouraged by. It's an orchard. It's a, You are an orchard of fruit. <laughs> it's so true. Um, and you've blessed my life personally, mm-hmm. just in your encouragement and the the gifts you give. Of, she gives me all my favorite books, my Christian books, and then I give them to others. So um, the gift that keeps I hope you giving. read them first. Oh, I do. <laughs> no, no, no. They become my right. <laughs> Janet's books become my favorite books and authors. Is she the that, one that recommended A Praying Life? A Praying Life. Yeah. And that I thought had the most boring title ever. And then the book was fabulous. So good. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous book. And the author, John Mark Comer, who she's referenced. Um, so many good things. So anyway, but what other encouragement could you, you know, offer us as we head out into our days? Um, Well, I would just say there's really just one story, and this cosmic war has already been won by our Lord. So get involved in that and know that it might be a gradual growth. I like something Tim Keller said. He he was talking about the mustard seed and yeast. And if you take a little tiny mustard seed, just the size of a period, and you drop it on the concrete, nothing will happen. But plant it under the concrete and give it a few years, it will crack that sidewalk. Mm. Or, Or yeast, we don't lose our personalities. Yeast doesn't take over the dough, it it transforms it into something mm. bigger and better mm. and more beautiful. And um, I think that's our life with God is this mm. journey is not looking for something quick, even though sometimes it is quick. I remember in preschool, my dad was an alcoholic. And so I had a harsh voice with God and his tone with me. But mm-hmm. so I was singing Zacchaeus. And I mean, I was pointing at him and saying, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. I'm going to your house today. And it just dawned on me. And man, from then on, it was like, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. And still to this day, I'll read the word and that song will pop up and remind me, no, God's tone is Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. and good and gentle and kind. And it it just flipped everything for me in that one moment. But sometimes it's just gradual. There's this inner working of the kingdom within us. Mm -hmm. And when we cooperate with him, it will grow. Amen. So good. Okay, well, real quick, I want to know, do you guys have any favorite resources, whether it's a Bible study or book or sermon, podcast, music, anything that you just love and you want to recommend? I do have several apps that I've enjoyed this year. Um, I use the Pause app. It's John Eldridge, and it will remind me on my phone twice a day. And it's a meditation that I can go through or just at least remind me to reunite with God mm-hmm. in a busy world. So is, and, is it just a reminder that pops up on your yes, phone? Yes, and then he has three meditations, a minute, a five, and a ten minute. Oh, and then he oh, guides nice. you into meditation if you want to go further into healing or worship or guidance. Nice. Um, but it pops up on my phone if I don't have time to do the meditation. At least I'm reminded to reconnect to God. Cool. And mm-hmm. I have a Voice of the Martyr app I love because when I pray for the world, it can get so general and generic. Yeah. And so it'll help me be specific with a people group Ooh, or country. Um, which yeah. I've enjoyed. Oh, it's the app, not the podcast. That's the an app. It's an app. Yeah. Okay, cool. And also Bema has been a real blessing to me in the last couple of years, B-E-M-A. It goes through the Bible through a Hebrew perspective, and it was just really enlightening, mm-hmm. especially the Old Testament. I love um, that. Lectio 365, my husband and I did this year, which was just Lectio Divina, 
it's kind of walking mm-hmm. you through that. So that's been a good year in that app. Lots of apps. Awesome. Oh, wow. Mine's um, social media. <laughs> there is actually an Instagram account called Crew & Co. And they make um, little card books or cards you can set on your desk. And they're printed really pretty. And it's scripture memorization. Mm-hmm. So oh. I got one that's on a keychain. And they're really cute cards. But they're just small little verses that you can study, carry with you everywhere. That's so if you're fun. reading at the doctor, anything like that. Um, and I love She Reads Truth yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. It's an online website that does blog posts that are devotionals. And, and they're beautiful, too. They're beautiful. Yes. And then you can buy books that are so pretty and the artwork is so pretty. And, of course, the Bible app, just any sort of plan. I'll see what other people are doing or try to do plans with friends or anything like that. So. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched the Chosen series? Yeah, so good. I'm loving it. Can't wait for the next mm-hmm. one. It's so good. Cool. So we got to hear from Janet. And Camille, we would love to hear your final word of encouragement. Yeah, just, you know what? It's so simple, but God sees you. Mm. He hears you and He cares about you. He cares about, Mm. you know, for me as a stay-at-home mom, there are lots of days that can feel like no one sees what I'm doing. No one understands, but God does. And that's Mm. really the ultimate thing that matters. Um, There's Mm. a verse, Micah 7, 7, and it says, But I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And this was written during like such a terrible time in Israel. And he was a prophet, Micah was, and he said that about God. So I'm like, you know, just in my everyday life, I can remember that he's the God of my salvation. He sees me and he hears me when I cry out to him. So if you're ever having a day, just cry out to God and Mm -hmm. he'll hear you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that is pretty awesome. And that was the verse that I studied this morning. (laughs) You're always on track with us. Micah 7 7. I'm going to make a post on it too. So, how cool is that? That's cool. (laughs) Today. So, God is at work. He's at work right now in in the middle of our lives and our listeners' lives. Mm -hmm. In the chaos. And in all this chaos, He's with us. So, girls, I'm so encouraged by Mm -hmm. our time together. I know our listeners are as well. And Jana, I just want to say I love you. And Camille, I love you too and your family. And and, um, I'm so thankful that we get to serve the Lord in the same ministry together. Mm -hmm. Me too. And you're a cheerleader for so many, and especially for for me as a friend. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you both. Fabulous. (laughs) Love y'all. Love Love you. Thank you so much for having us. Such an honor to be here. Well, I do want to point out one more thing, and that is that we know not everyone was born into an incredible legacy like these two were, but you can be the one to start a legacy of faith. You can be a generation stopper and a generation starter. You can teach your children about God's Word. You can cling to God when hard times come. You can be the one to pass on grace and truth and love and light to those walking beside you and those coming after you. So just realize God has put you where He has you with intentional purpose. And like we said, we are just so thankful you joined us. You can find all the resources mentioned in the conversation notes. And by the way, if you've never taken a second to subscribe, it is easy. It is free. It makes everything accessible with a click of a button. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, or you can simply join my email list and be the first to know when a new episode goes live. We'd also love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find us at The Messy Table Podcast. But above all, as you head into your week, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.